Hey there, talking fight fans. Graham and Christian in the studio with you. And today we're continuing our episodes on the Olympics. And today we need to find out whether or not there's going to be an Olympics. <laughs> and uh, you, you've, you've got an update, right? I do. Uh, yeah. This morning, I, I, I don't know about you, I've been following this pretty closely. Um, this morning, I, an article ran in the BBC that I thought it was worth talking about today. Uh, you know, I woke up, I'm, I'm an early riser. I like to get up around 5.30, get a cup of coffee into me. And then it's when I like to sit down and I go over my boxing news and I do research for these little stories and things like that. Uh, so what I was met with this morning was a little disturbing. It was talking about whether or not we're even going to have an Olympic Games uh, uh, coming up in July or not. So, um, and depending on who you're listening to, we're getting very mixed signals at this point in time. So let me take you through a little about what's, uh, what's going on right now, just to kind of update you and, uh, and our viewers, uh, so they know what to expect here. Uh, and again, a lot of today's information, a lot of this was pulled from, uh, from the BBC. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, anyway, so. It's been back and forth whether or not this is going to go forward or not. Today, uh, the IOC members were having their first meeting of the year, and this was thought to be one of the things that's on the docket was whether or not this current games was going to be going forward. Now, we haven't heard at the time of, well, you know, we're going live right now, we haven't heard anything from them as to whether or not they've made a decision one way or the other on that. Um, but so far, you know, Japan has escaped kind of the worst of the corona pandemic with fewer deaths than we've seen in kind of other parts of the world. They closed their borders pretty early. They've, uh, you know, had pretty strict quarantine rules. Um, but as of about two weeks ago, there was a state of emergency that was declared in the capital. And since then, public opinion for the games has kind of started to sour. Um, and a few and a few names have started to speak out at this point in time. Uh, Olympic legend Sir Matthew Pinsett. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's an Olympic uh, rower who uh, won four consecutive gold medals, uh, as well as many world championships and things like that, um, has become the, kind of the highest profile Olympian so far, our former athlete, to, uh, to call for cancellation. Uh, he's saying that the idea of thousands of people flying in uh, from around the world to gather unvaccinated in one place was ludicrous. And he suggested that Tokyo should stage instead the 2024 games with the subsequent hosts, uh, Paris and Los Angeles, um, you know, being shifted back four years each to accommodate that rejig. Uh, and again, he's not the only one who's kind of speaking out at this point in time, um, you know, kind of with worries that the games are going to worsen the country's pandemic. Taro Kono, who is uh, the Japanese minister for administrative reform as well as regu regulatory reform, um, became the first Japanese cabinet minister to kind of break ranks, admitting that at this point, you know, anything could happen, uh, which was a message reinforced by, you know, one of the senior uh, IOC members himself, Dick Pound, who said that it was too early at this point uh, to be certain that the games would go ahead. Uh, you know, a, a lot of this right now is being compared to uh, the recent Australian Open in, uh, in Melbourne. Uh, where they ended up with 10 confirmed cases of COVID-19, uh, four of which among the athletes themselves. And obviously, you know, the Olympic Games being a much larger event than the Australian Open. So they're, they're looking at that as kind of a microcosm of what could happen. And, you know, there's obvious concerns. Um, it kind of that event showed the difficulties of, you know, navigating quarantine rules before a major international sporting event. Um London 2012 uh, boss Sir Keith Mills, you know, he, you know, added in as well. 
He weighed in telling BBC's Radio 5 that he believed that the Olympics were unlikely at this point to be staged this year. Uh, and this is coming on the heels of about a week ago. Uh, the Times had reported, uh, you know, according to, you know, unnamed Japanese government uh, sources, that at this point the ministers have already conceded that the event is going to have to be cancelled and that they're kind of starting to secure, you know, focus on securing the next available Olympic slot, which won't be until 2032. Um, you know, this is, of course, completely different than what we've been hearing from the other side of things, uh, you know, on, on the official side. Because um, at this point, you know, prior to today, um, Tokyo 2020 Committee, as well as the Japanese government, the IOC, uh, the International Paraly Paralympic Committee are all insisting that the games are going to be happening as planned. Um, it's been suggested, though, in some in some corners that with the general election in Japan due uh, coming up due to come up in October, that you know this has more to do with Japanese domestic politics than maybe what's best for the Olympics, the Olympians, and sport in general. Uh, I was the IOC president, Thomas Bach, last week said that there was, you know, currently no reason whatsoever to believe that the games would not start as planned in July and that there was no need for a plan B. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, Graham, that's because about 11 months ago, he said that cancellation and postponement had not even been discussed by the executive board, uh, you know, despite the fact that everyone could kind of see it coming at that point in time. Um, you know, it was less than three weeks later, the games themselves were postponed. And the IOC, you know, were criticized at the time for, you know, a lack of transparency and clarity prior to that announcement. You know, there's a lot of moving parts in something like this. People are gearing up all over the world to get there. You know, they, they need that information. So what, what does happen if these games do get postponed? Um, this is where, you know, kind of on the tail of the last two days, uh, we fall back into, you know, the economics of the Olympics a little bit here. Um, three quarters of the IOC's revenue comes from broadcast deals for the Olympics alone. Mm -hmm. Now, almost all of the rest is going to come from sponsorships linked to the event itself. Um, and in turn, you know, international sports movements rely on a lot of that money from the IOC. So, you know, insurance, are they insured? Yes. Uh, a significant, you know, they, a proportion of that money is going to be, be, they're going to be able to recover a lot of that in the event of a cancellation. Uh, and as well, you know, they do have reserves. This is not going to decimate the Olympics to come kind of thing necessarily. But, you know, billions have already been spent on the renegotiation of contracts, um, you know, added security measures, uh, you know, in COVID-19 uh, measures and bringing so far the, you know, the official tally on what this uh, Tokyo again, 2020 uh, cost to a little over $15 billion U.S. to date. Um, you know, and not to mention the fact that, you know, the Japanese national pride on the line. So it's no real wonder why the government is kind of determined at this point, at least from a visual standpoint, to be seen as pressing on even if in the polls domestically, there's, you know, kind of a significant unease among the general populace about this event going forward. Uh, this week, we're supposed to be seeing, you know, fingers crossed, the, the playbook coming out. Um, 
uh, that's assuming that the games do go ahead. And this is the playbook that's going to govern how uh, the games plan to tackle things like COVID-19 concerns, laying out in detail all the personal responsibilities that each of the uh, people attending the games are going to have to follow. Uh, you know, that's not just going to be athletes. That's going to be everybody who's uh, involved with the games. Um, and at this point, a fair amount is being kind of relied on with the concept or hoped for, I guess, would be a better term for the concept that vaccines are going to kind of come to the rescue. Um, there's been a lot of optimism with, you know, the emergence of, you know, the, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, the Oxford vaccine. Um, and while the IOC are saying that, you know, vaccines are not going to be mandatory, um, they're hoping that most athletes are going to have a chance to get the jab prior to actually arriving in Tokyo for the games. Uh, they did want to point out, though, uh, both the IOC and the IPC, that's the uh, Paralympic Committee, uh, insist that athletes should not be given priority over the most vulnerable groups or uh, or key workers, you know, frontline workers, uh, people who work in hospitals, things of that nature. Uh, but again, they are hopeful that most athletes are going to have a chance to get those vaccinations prior to Tokyo, which is going to bring, obviously, uh, the potential for transmission down in a, in a, in a very real way. Um, this is, of course, raising, though, ethical issues, which, you know, I'm sure you could have seen coming a mile off about countries whose rollouts are maybe less advanced than, you know, some of the, you know, countries a little bit more uh, in the bank. So it's going to raise issues over fairness over, you know, some athletes who, you know, maybe are unable to travel to Tokyo because they're unable to get uh, the vaccine in time. So we're talking about uh, at the end of the day, I, you know, we're talking Melbourne had 10 cases here. We're, we're talking about Tokyo. We're looking at 11,000 athletes, 4,000 Paralympians. Uh, you know, and some of those people are going to have underlying health conditions that may uh, make them a little bit more reliant on things like uh, support staff that they're going to have to bring with them into country as well. Um, then you've got, you know, you've got coaches, officials, sponsors, media, uh, and VIP all kind of showing up into Tokyo. And that's before you even talk about the, you know, fans, which they're already talking about doing away with uh, having, you know, fans in person at the games in general total. So we're still talking about, you know, tens of thousands of people showing up from all from all corners of the globe all at the same time into the city. Um, so to create a total biosecure environment is, you know, pretty much impossible at this point in time. So. I'm really curious myself to kind of see where this is going to land. And I'm not sure. I, I, I kind of wish I was a little bit more optimistic about this, but um, I'm really not sure which way this is going to fall. Nor am I. But uh, in my brain, as you were talking, I was thinking opportunity. If, in fact, the Olympics are canceled, there's going to be an awful lot of athletes who might consider going pro rather than remaining amateur and wait for another four-year cycle. So I'm thinking to myself, geez, this is an opportunity. If, these event, if this event is canceled, there's going to be an awful lot of boxers out there who are currently amateur who might want management representation, some kind of expertise. I'm thinking to myself, hmm, could, in fact, we, given our expertise, take some of these amateurs to the next level? I think so. Anyway, I uh, thank you very much for taking the time to research and present that argument with respect to whether or not the Olympics might or might not go on. Uh, I'm, following here. I'm following it. I'm following it. 
I'm sure our good listenership and viewership is uh, looking at that equation as well. Uh, but on behalf of the boxes around the world right now who are still training at home, um, you know, realistically, if, if that if those games are cancelled, I'm sure there's an opportunity for people like us, frankly, uh, who have a variety of skill sets uh, because the various promotions and management companies right now are filled to the brim uh, with professional uh, already on their staff. Anyway, that's what well, I think that's it's a great opportunity, of course. I, you know, I think it is a great opportunity. You know, the, the, the fighters that I worry about are, you know, we have, you know, people who have already qualified for Tokyo 2020 who are, you know, not everybody's 19 and up and coming. You know, some of these guys are, you know, and, and uh, women are in their 30s. And this, you know, something like Tokyo 2020, this is going to be their, uh, I, won't, I don't want to call, I hesitate to call it their swan song kind of thing. But, you know, this might be the last chance to, for some of these athletes to really have the opportunity to get out on that international stage. Four years is a long time between uh, between competitions at this level. And aside from, you know, just the sheer punishment that, you know, your body can take in this sport, um, to, to maintain that level of training, you know, as you get older, as you, as you move, you know, farther into your 30s, that, that's, that's a big commitment. And not to mention, as we talked a little bit about uh, the other day, once you, once you hit 40, that's it. You know, you're, you're, you're no longer uh, eligible to qualify to, uh, to fight internationally. I know I dashed your dreams the other day on that one, but so, you know, for some of these people, you know, this is kind of taken away their very last chance uh, to, you know, to get in that international spotlight, but uh, fingers crossed, like I keep saying, and uh, you know, I'm going to keep my ear to the ground. And as soon as we hear more, we'll let you know. Uh, but I think like everyone else uh, moving forward until we hear otherwise, I think we should just kind of keep plodding along uh, with uh, the understanding that the Olympics are going forward and we're going to keep uh, talking about uh things that interest us about the Olympics and uh, hope for the best. We will. Thank you very much, Christian. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good listenership and good viewership. If you like, like, share, and subscribe. Thank you. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, guys.